From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Ernson. This is an audio portrait from the KZMU News archives. Today we'll hear from Molly Marcello, who spoke with Moab's feline hero, Travis Garcia, otherwise known as Cat Daddy. Moab used to have a pretty big cat problem. We're talking street cats, community cats, the ones that might have been abandoned or just strayed away from home, left to fend for themselves outside. Unsterilized, cats can end up breeding at an alarming rate. The ASPCA estimates one unsterilized female cat can breed hundreds more over their lifetime. So about 20 years ago now, the town got serious about a trap-neuter return program. The local Humane Society reports that community cat populations have since declined and stabilized. They estimate they've sterilized over 4,000 of them. They say Moab's cat colonies have decreased from about 16 locations to just 10 now. The nonprofit puts gravity feeders of dry food in these areas to help monitor them. But there's this one guy, a local, Travis Garcia. He really feels for these cats. At the beginning of the pandemic, he started getting to know the ones living on the open land behind the hospital, the area that kind of bleeds into and around the Walnut Lane trailer park. He started watching out for them on his own, as he says he doesn't like to see animals suffer, which some of them do. There's disease, infection, all kinds of stuff abandoned animals encounter. Travis has been in tune with these cats now for some time. He's known to those who know as Cat Daddy. I don't know. Someone gave that to me and it just kind of stuck. But I like to get a cat rescue going. I think that's probably what I'd call it. Cat Daddy Cat Rescue. <laughs> Usually I drive, hold it, and the movement about like that. The movement of the car is about like that. Hey, when I first got the bell, I was driving down that last roll, and I, I was doing it, just holding it, and it was dinging and dinging. They didn't know how to, you know, like, what's that? About a week and a half, two weeks, they figured out it was me. And I'd drive down there, and then I'd stop, and I'd look back. There must have been 20 cats walking up the road. You know, it's, it's quite a sight to see that. It's funny. <laughs> they know that bell real well. Right over there, that's my senior group. Those two kittens and about six, seven uh, adults. They're all lined up underneath the car there. I got the bowls running lengthwise by the floorboard there. And <laughs> they're eating like crazy. There's a few, like, there's a cat that looked just like him. I mean, again, there's a bunch of them look like him, but. The one that had that thing growing on him and he tore it off because the maggots finally got inside of his body. He was old man. I called him old man. And then he, there's a one that looks just like him in, in that area. And I call him Junior because he, I think it was his son or nephew or something down the line. There's a black one over here. I call him Barney. <laughs> He's a character. I got a couple over there that they need an eye sewed shut because one little guy, nicest thing you ever seen, he, he can't shut his eye because he had that that fester in it and 
Now it's just like a dead eye, but he can't shut his eye. So the flies land on him and stuff when he's sleeping. And he's gonna get maggots going to his brain next, you know, and that's, that's terrible. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine old man or what he went through. But just things like that, and they won't help animals like that. I come three times a day. I get here at daybreak, and I put fresh water everywhere. I got, you'll see the places. I got quite a few places. That, and uh, the ones that don't go to the feeders, I put down food for them. This way I keep, I'd be able to keep my count. I know how many's there, and I can look at their health, which ones are injured, you know, and stuff like that. I buy antibiotics from a place back east, and I mix it with the food. And, you know, when they get crusty eyes and they're stuck shut, I have to rescue them and get them and uh, get the medicine to them, and, or they go blind. Like I said, they had a home at one time, and it was loved at one time, and it just left, and they've just been trying to survive ever since. Yeah, well, I've, I've lived here most of my life. It, my grandparents lived at the very end of this, over on Park Drive. They had a big gate right over here. And my grandmother was always chasing cats out of her garden because they were always pooping in her garden. She didn't like that. There's always been a cat problem here. And uh, like I say, I've tried to get city help and do something, you know, or give me a trailer so I can start rehabbing them. I've, I've got about 52 of them out of here in the two years that I've, that going on two years that I've done this, you know. I could probably get seven, six, seven cats' homes every month if we could do that. You figure that out in 10 months, that'd be all the cats, <laughs> you know. But, and I think we need a cat rescue here, this whole valley. You know, we have a problem down at Grand Oasis, and it's right next to Matheson Bird Conservatory thing. And you wouldn't believe what cats do to the environment. They really do some damage. There are some ferals, but like I say, you'll know a feral, you might as well go try to catch a bobcat. They're pretty, they're pretty wild, but most of these are friendly. They'll, they'll come to you. Where we're gonna go now is I gotta pick up, there's a feeder on the other side of that. And then I'll race around there. And I gotta throw some water down. Clean water and clean food means to help the cat, you know? You know, they're, they're a little scared of people, but they got to know me. A lot of people say, oh, you're the caretaker, though. They'll come to you. Well, of course. Every day, not missing, never miss a day. Gets me off my couch. <laughs> I just feel those little guys depend on me now, you know, kind of. I got hurt in the oil field that I've been kind of, I've been on disability, you know, for quite a long time. And there's some days that it's a little rough <laughs> doing this, because I have a lot of metal parts in me. But I get going, I just, they're the ones that inspire me, the cats do, to get up and get going, and throw one leg in front of the other. And once I do that, I, I feel a little bit better. 
at one point in time I didn't like who I was, you know. And when I got hurt, I really got really depressed. I went into alcohol and drugs and thought that was the answer. And then I, I figured, it, figured that out. It wasn't. <laughs> uh, cleaned up and haven't drank for probably about 20 years. And don't do any drugs. And it just changed my whole life. And like I say, my heart changed and everything changed. You know, and it wasn't no easy road. Like, I've been working on this for 20 years, <laughs> and I'm still working on it. You just don't change overnight when you have a lifetime of habits and attitudes. Chewy has a good deal on uh, the canned food, you get 40 cans for 25 bucks. I go through seven of those, six, seven of those a month. I only get $20,000 a year to live on. I've cut back on smoking, which is good, just so I can buy cat food. They say, no, you're feeding skunks and raccoons. And, no, I'm not. I pick my food up every night, you know, because I know better than that. <laughs> People have been trying to trap them and you know, get them sterilized and released. But you know, if you just leave one or two, it's, it just kind of starts all over again. And it's just the way it all started, you know, and they have a rough time trying to survive, especially the older ones, you know. I figured I'd help their situation out a little bit. If I can give them a little bit of comfort, a little, so they're not, I can't see, stand seeing anything starve though. You know, that's, that's just cruel. You know, as I get, get older, I sympathize with everything <laughs> a little bit better, you know. I'm, I got a real tender heart, you know. I watch, I watch TV sometimes, and I'm so happy for somebody on TV, I, I'm in tears, you know. And that's never happened to me before. And that's just being happy for somebody, you know. But growing up here, I used to be quite the hoodlum and stuff. But, uh, and it took me, what, uh, 45 years to grow up, I think they say. <laughs> and I got a big tender heart now compared to what I used to. It's just, I'm totally different. It's, it's really not. I just uh, seen a need. I just couldn't ignore it. I love animals, and I just can't see them suffering, you know? Hi, guys. Hi, guys. I noticed that when I put stuff where the kittens are, they'll come out and eat, and the big cat will come up, and they'll just look at them and turn away without trying to bully that food from them. They, they watch out for their little ones. Those little prides, I call them. If they got to know you, you'd see how loving they really are. And that's all they've ever wanted, probably is just another forever home and someone to love them and them love that, you know, vice versa.
un unconditional. You know, and they'll be there for you. They're just one of God's creatures that they're here trying to survive like we are. That was an audio portrait by Molly Marcello from the KZMU News Archives. These non-narrated profiles highlight stories from people in the Moab Valley. If you know of someone we should profile, please reach out. You can find more audio portraits and special programs on the KZMU News page at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.